This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. This is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So our industry is going through massive change, and, and it's just going to accelerate. I mean, it, it is going to change so much that I think in five years, we're not going to recognize it from where it is today. Um, you know, this is actually my 40th tax season. Um, I counted. I actually can, I had a calculator so I can count that high. And uh, it's, it's 40 years ago, we were still, we were preparing tax returns. Yeah, we were doing them by hand. Okay. And shortly afterwards, we had uh, CompuTax and some computers and so forth. Um, but what we're going to see in the future, in the next few years, the changes we're going to see, I think are much more dramatic, frankly, than we've seen in the last 40 years. Um, not so much to tax law and tax policy as much as to the technology and how we actually service our clients. So um, the question is, how do, you, how do you deal with that? I mean, when you don't, you know, we don't know what we don't know, how do you, how do you deal with things you don't know? And you know, how, do, how do you handle that kind of change when you even don't even know what the change is or you have no idea how to handle the change what do you do? So we have an expert here, um, and I, I love um, uh, Dave Jennings here, and I love the title of his book, um, The Pit of Success. I love that. <laughs> so many people, I think, uh, uh, can relate to that. He says, how, how leaders adopt, how leaders adapt, excuse me, The Pit of Success, How Leaders Adapt, Succeed, and Repeat. So uh, Dave, welcome so much to our show. And if you would, just give us a little bit of your uh, background and what you're doing. Great. Uh, Thanks for having me today. So I'm a leadership and change guy. I work with all sizes of companies, everything from startups to Fortune 500s. Uh, My research is in change resilience. I I look at how people go through change. And my my particular interest is how does a leader continually grow through change, whether that's uh, a changing market or whether that is themselves needing to step up as a leader and change the way they lead. Uh, So I I live and breathe all about change. Well, I think you're the right guy for the right time. Um, And certainly for this profession. So we're a profession uh, of A students, right? I mean, basically, we, we, we like being right. Um, we like accuracy. We like certainty as a, as a general rule. Um, and so when we see really a, a technology just rapidly changing our profession, I mean, I believe within five years, uh, most tax returns will not require manual input at all. Okay, I think that um, financial statements will be uh, done through blockchain technology uh, primarily. I, I believe that there are that massive changes. And so things that we're doing today, we won't be doing in five years. The question is, okay, so how do you even, how do you even begin to adapt to change that is that fast? So I think the key thing is to realize that even fast change has steps in it. All right. It's not like, yes, it's going fast, but as one of my strategy colleagues, uh, Rita McGrath, talks about, she says that things happen very slowly and then very fast. And so right now, all those things that are 
uh, creating the fast change are right in front of you. I mean, you mentioned some that are like, there's the awareness. So I think part of it is to start having a broader mindset of what do I need to be looking for? What are the little dots that I see? There are patterns emerging right now. There are things that are, that are very quiet and they may not be you know, used by a lot of people, but they're starting to come out and you just start going, hmm, what do I see? And become better at seeing and noting it because a lot of it, you'll, you'll see it, but it's like, it, it goes past you. And so to think about, all right, what have I seen with my clients? And like, what have they been complaining about? What have they been asking for? Uh, just little changes. And rather than discounting, like it's real easy to say, well, what's the matter with them? Why are they saying that to me? You know, what, well, don't they know that I know? Instead of saying that, it's like, huh, I wonder what that means. It may not be right, but I wonder what it means. And you're looking for patterns and just, you just want to start even noting those. One thing I do with uh, folks uh, when we're together or, or on a Zoom call is I ask them to share their hunches. Just share your hunches. And this would be, uh, I guess, low level tech. Uh, you know, it's like in strategy, there's all kinds of tools you can use to evaluate markets and you know, where you should go. But you get a group of smart people like yourself all in the room and you say, hey, what's your hunch? I think it's going this way. You know, you just had your hunches about blockchain and other things. Get 10 colleagues together. What are their hunches? There are patterns right there in front of you. So it's not happening as fast as you think until it happens. So it's kind of like the overnight success after the 25 year overnight success, right? It is. So, so I, I hear a couple of things. So you talk about patterns and that, that's a, a, a key word for me because we actually look at patterns in the tax law. We look at pat financial patterns. And that really is a lot of what we do because I always tell people your bookkeeper is the person who um, creates accurate information. That's their job. But your accountant's job is to actually analyze the information. So analysis to me a lot is about identifying the patterns. And one of the things I'm hearing you say is that getting together with peers, um, like we have a network, right? I mean, we get mm -hmm. together every month and getting together with a, a network of your peers and looking for those patterns. That's one way to identify the patterns. Is, right. Am I on the right track there? Absolutely. And you might call it really inexpensive research. You know, you can do lots of things that require a lot of time, but you have so many data points. All of you already are seeing things. So rather than having to do some kind of deep research, you've got research bubbling out. It's, it's right there for you. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you know, there's not a single CPA with less than two or 300 clients that they're dealing with on a regular basis. So you look at, and they're all business owners, right? right? So there's things going on with each of those business owners. I've always said that CPAs are way underutilized um, and, and that's our fault. Okay. I don't blame anybody, the market for that. That's us. Um, that we don't utilize ourselves. We've seen so much and we have so many clients that have so much experience to not draw on that experience and to not learn from that, I think is, is frankly a crime. Right. And like, if I was encouraging people how to learn from that, I would have some kind of notebook. I don't know if journal is the right word, but I would have a place where I just kind of record, huh? thought they they asked for x because individually these data points don't mean a thing but it's like as you see them and hear them again and you're like oh, i heard that six months ago oh i'm hearing it more often now 
Uh, in fact, I, years ago, back before I, uh, I was helping uh, Microsoft go through a major org change with the, uh, the internet becoming a big deal, hard to imagine now, but we were helping people back then and it was, we were explaining, you know, how the cloud is going to become important. And it was all these little points that we could just see happening and see happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's the way it is. Well, that, that, I, I, that's a very practical, I, I like your, your practical approach there, where we can actually just almost keep a journal and, yeah. and just keep down those data points. And what, we, what we'll see is, I presume, I, I, I believe this, is that patterns will emerge. Um, and yeah. all we have to do is connect the dots. Once we've got all the, that data in front of us, now we can sit down and connect the dots. Well, we're actually, you know, we're taught to do that, right? We're taught to analyze financial statements. We're taught to analyze tax returns. So to me, it's a natural, um, it should be a natural skill set to be able to uh, pull up all those data points and then, and, then, and then look for the pattern. So I love that practical approach to that. Um, what else? I mean, so, so what else is in your bag of tricks? Oh, uh, so one thing that I teach clients about a lot is the idea of an old story and a new story. And right now, everybody has within them an old story or an existing story about what life is. And that story is full of success, experiences, rewards, and it tells you the way things are. And so right now about everybody's practice right now, they have a story. They have a story about what success is, about what failure is, about what they should or shouldn't do. They have all this story and it creates a very big, heavy mass that you're attracted to. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's who you are. So you've got this old story. Now comes along an idea. And so you're thinking about, hey, maybe, maybe I should go here. And you have this, what I call the new story. And you look at the new story and you're like, no, I, I should go there. And then the most natural thing to do is actually go back and do the old story. Even though you look up at the new story, and you go, I should go there. Your brain keeps you doing what you know. And so it's not like you keep doing what you know because you're stupid or you're just in your comfort zone. I mean, you could argue those, but the fact is your brain is wired to do what it already knows how to do. So even though you look up and you see that new idea and you're thinking, yeah, I should try that. You know, I heard, I heard something on your podcast. I should try. And even though you want to, you're going to want to come back. So what we have to do is make the new story heavier. All so right? how do you do that? Yeah, exactly. How do you do that? Well, one, we, we want to research it. Like, like even those hunches, huh? I need more data on that. You want to be able to talk with people who've tried it. You want to maybe try some experiments with it. You know, maybe I can't invest whole uh, all the way in something new for my company. My funds aren't there right now, but what's the smallest thing I could do? You do small experiments, uh, bring in people, uh, talk with people who've done it and succeeded and failed and find out how they got there and figure out something you're going to stop doing. You cannot make room for the new without stopping something in the old. You, you just got to look at it and go, all right, I, I, I know it's right. I know I need to stop and just maybe you need help. Uh, but new stories don't happen until we invest in them. Part of that could be time uh, and literally, you know, getting real pragmatic. Maybe I need to start investing two hours a week. And, and it could be a bigger or smaller number uh, where it is my future time. Two hours a week, let's say it's Monday afternoon. I think about the future and you, you've, you create 
a, a space where you're going to go, what would I do? And you look at options, you look at what you would do. The challenge with that recommendation is everybody who's listening to this is too busy to find time. I can guarantee you, you don't have time. And because you don't have time, that's why the changes can take you by surprise because you haven't had any space for them. So I really push starting, you know, if you want to make that new story possible, you got to create space for that new story. And whether that's an hour a week, two hours a week, uh, I know some uh, leaders I work with, they set aside like a day a month where they work on other things and they maybe bring other people into the conversation, create space for it. That's the way you no, I, 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 I like that. My mornings are actually set aside for that. So okay. um, I, I tell you that we actually, in our leadership team, we have what we call clarity breaks um, where we just have to take half an hour, an hour and just, okay, what's going on? What, you know, what, and, and just, and just think basically. Um, it, so my question for you though, is, you know, you, let's go back to your success. Cause I like the, I like this idea of the pit of success. Okay. Um, so success to me, so, sometimes our success is what holds us back. Okay. Yes. We have a, um, in, in our, um, in our company, WealthAbility, we have a set of four values and the fourth value is break it. And when, when we first put that out, um, you wouldn't believe just the, oh my heavens, what, what are you talking about? You know, cause you know, the old adage is if, if, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. Right. right. And, and, and our actually adage is if it ain't broke, break it and then fix it. Okay. Because you'll make it better. Right. But, but how do we pull ourselves away from that success that is basically holding us back from far greater successes? So uh, there's no magic wand. I want to backtrack on that a little and go to it actually with some of the research that uh, came out of uh, Harvard by Clayton Christensen. And he wrote a famous, famous book and a famous concept called The Innovator's Dilemma. And it is at the heart of what you're saying. If you're not familiar with it, if the, uh, the listeners are not, it's, it, it is crucial knowledge. If, if I were to say you need to read 10 books as a business owner, this would be one of them. One of the main thoughts he puts in there and demonstrates is that you will be punished by your success. And he shows how companies basically get good at something. And then because they're good at it, the customers demand it. And so they invest all their effort in that and they are not investing in, the, in their other future. So some other upstart comes along and takes the future away because right. you're focused on your success. Right. And he's shown how this happens repeatedly that companies basically lose their market position because they're focused on their success. And so it's really um, a dilemma every leader faces. My research uh, is, is actually a piggyback on that or, or a parallel to that is I look at how leaders are punished by their success. And so what happens is a leader gets good at a particular skill. And let's, uh, let's, let's go on the typical rise. Uh, if, if you're in the, uh, in any of the, uh, the major, uh, uh, the, the big four, they, they have a very specific cycle for how to grow as an accountant, right? Yeah. First year, second year, third year management, you know, it's very specific. What happens for a lot of people when they make that jump to manager is they still want to act like a, uh, a doer, right? right? And that's a hard time. And it's the most natural thing. So I'm in no way condemning because everybody does that. You want to do what you're good at. So the logical thing is to do what you're good at, but our future depends on our willingness to basically become temporarily incompetent. 
And that's what the pit of success is all about. It's about your willingness to go into a space where you feel like a fake. It's to go into a space where decisions are harder, where you really, uh, you doubt if you're enough, you do not have answers. And your willingness to go in there and do things you don't know how to do is a predictor of your ability to succeed. And so that is so critical as you talk about breaking things, it's willingness and it's the willingness to say, it's okay that I don't know. The idea that uh, indiv an individual is punished by their success really comes down to, I don't wanna feel dumb. I don't wanna have any loss. I don't wanna have a learning curve. I just wanna get this. And when you're so used to being smart, it is painful not to be smart. Cause you're not, you're no longer the smartest guy in the room. You, 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 it takes you longer. So. No, we, we, we actually, that's one of our other values. Own it. You know, and owning it means just admit I screwed up. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know the answer. I do. I, um, <laughs> twice a month, I do a webinar with our customers and, uh, every, probably every single, almost every single time somebody's going to ask me a question. I have no idea what the answer is. And uh, I've always found that the easy, the best thing to do is just, I don't know, I can look this up, I can get back to you, but I do not know the answer to this. And uh, well, I think one of, the, one of the mistakes we definitely make is that we feel, when we feel like we need to always know the answer. Um, right. You know, my opinion is, is if, if we already always knew the answer, we ought to be able to charge a lot more um, than we do, <laughs> right? Because a lot of the time we spend, a lot of the time we spend is looking up answers and that, and we bill for looking up the answer. So I think I that's okay. I think being able to look for the answer and kind of, I have an idea of, gee, where do I go for this answer, or who do I go to for this answer? Maybe is the is the better better skill set. And to accept that it might take me two or three steps to get there. When you're used to being the expert, you're used to finding it quickly. And if it takes two or three steps, you're like, oh, something must be the matter with me. No, this is new territory. You know, and if I could add two on here with uh, a very old concept that I, this is all applying, uh, implying towards is uh, we have the idea that uh, what's called the Peter Principle, you've probably heard of it, that you will rise to your level of your incompetence. Why is it that people would rise to their level in, of their incompetence? The reason they rise is they quit doing things they don't know how to do. All right. If you continually doing things that you know how to do, you don't get better at anything new. And so our future depends on our doing things that make us totally incompetent. For me right now, I'm doing this. Uh, during the pandemic, I decided to take music lessons. I'm studying music theory and such. And I want you to, I'm not like musician or anything. Man. I, I, I've been a, uh, I was a beginner guitarist you know, for 30 years, which means I can you know, play two songs. And I I, it's confusing. And I, every, about every three or four weeks, I have to tell my teacher, remind me that I'm gonna learn this, okay? because I get really lost. And it's that ability to be lost, which is critical. The ability to get comfortable with the fact that I, I am not smart at this and it's gonna take me multiple tries is freedom. Uh, the assuming you've got to know it is prison. No, I, I absolutely love that. Um, <laughs> okay, so how do you actually leave behind those skills that you're successful at? I mean, I find, I, frankly, I, I give you a good example um, myself, okay? Um, I continually come back to um, consulting with clients, not because it's the best use of my time, but because 
I really enjoy it. Okay. Right. I'm very good at it. I really enjoy it. They pay me a boatload of money for it. Uh, is it really the best use of my time? Probably not. Um, so it's just a hard thing to just let go of sometimes because I'm going, I can let go of it for a little while and then I'll come back to it. How do you just let go of that stuff? So I'm not going to, I don't know that it's wrong that you come back to it. I mean, there's things that give us joy that we, we want to maintain. Uh, and so, so on one hand, maybe you should come back to it periodically. All right. I don't know. But I think at the base is a core question that every leader has to answer. What is my real job right now? And so if you're able to redefine your job, then you can go, all right, my real job is to run the company. And you, you probably use the phrase, and you're, am I working on the business or in the business? Sure, of course. Yeah, of course. And so you, to write a new job description, to sit down and write it out. What is my new job? And to think about that with, with, with what my clients are asking for, is my new job, like in your case, is my job to, uh, you know, build this program, to, to provide knowledge, or is it to do the clients? And, you know, in your case, I'll, I'll throw advice out of you. Maybe the doing, working with the clients is just that little prompt that connects you and, and gives you something there. And so, yeah, stick with it. It's not like everything you're doing is bad. And that's the key. Just because we have to let go of it doesn't mean we are, are wrong. It doesn't mean it's bad. But what is your current job? That should be the guiding factor is what's the job? In, in your case, since you're my one-person sample size here, uh, you know, if, if you were not getting your other job done, then you maybe want to have a talk with your advisors about, huh, you know, is this the right thing to do? But you're getting your other job done. You're having fun. Eh. Um, so, so, so it's interesting to bring this up because I actually only do this twice a year. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I used to do it all the time, right? But I was able to pull out of that. But what I found out was when I pulled completely out of it, I lost touch with uh -huh. the customer. And I, I, and I, what I found is that if I can have that touch with a customer at least a couple of times a year, then it, it generates new ideas for the rest of the job. But I love this idea that, look, maybe it's okay to do it, come back to it once in a while, but don't let it be your main focus anymore because you've right. got a new job. Right. And I, I would argue to make you feel better uh, that you actually have redefined your job. You're doing research there. Yeah, you're providing value to For your sure. client. But my job is to research and stay connected with the latest issues. Uh, and yes, I enjoy it, which is a, a bonus. But, you know, uh, that is your job. Your job is to stay connected and make sure that you're not giving nice ideas, but, you know, practical advice. So you have my permission to keep going. No, I, I appreciate that. Well, what I find with our with our members is that frequently, though, they get really caught up because they're running day to day businesses. And sure. Things I tell them all the time is, is, is your job manager or leader? And right. you really make a decision there um, because if if you're, I mean, there's some of them that are really good managers, and they ought to be managing the business because that's what they're great at. And maybe even they bring in a leader, a partner, for example, who can be more of that visionary leader. But I also find that a lot of them are really visionaries. Um, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of really entrepreneurs who happen to be CPAs, and but they get caught up because things have to be done, right? And so they don't wanna let their clients down, they don't wanna let their staff down, and I'm constantly hammering them, you need to bring in somebody to manage that stuff so that you can move on. But do you think, uh, here, here's my question, do you have to, do you bring that new person in first 
or do you let go of some of those responsibilities, even if, you know, you let younger staff handle them so that you open up a little bit of a vacuum for yourself? Uh, An interesting question. It's a, it's a tough, yes. one. A tough <laughs> one. The answer is yes. Uh, th there is no one right path for that. I, for some people, you know, demand forces them to do it. Uh, others, now that it's covered, I feel comfortable doing other things. I really think you'd need to look at your personality and to decide which way I need to go. I, I would not take a side on that. No, oh, I like that. I like that. All right, before we wrap up, okay, I, again, um, it's Dave Jennings, The Pit of Success, How Leaders Adapt, Succeed, and Repeat. We've got a lot of adaption, uh, 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 adaptation to, to go on in our industry, a, a lot of adapting to do. Um, if you could, so just give us um, two or three, what are two or three actions we could take to really be um, handling uh you know, that, those changes that we need to make? So uh, number one is get more clear on direction where you want to go. Uh, the research is real clear. The, the clearer you are about the where and the why, the easier you can put up with the what. And so spend a lot more time on the where and the why. Uh, another one is to redefine what it means to be, what I call the pit of success, to redefine what it means to be lost and confused. If your definition is, oh, I'm not good, I'm not smart, then boy, who would want to go in there? But if, you're, if you define it as, you know what, this is what learners do. This is what people do who, who grow, and it's okay to be in there. And uh, just accept that I'm not going to figure it out the first time. I don't have to. And cut yourself some slack that, yeah, I'm learning this. And because I'm willing to learn this, I can make the changes I need. Uh, and I, I guess in that same vein, a last thought, Whatever skill, we did a lot of research on, on the brain science and how brains change and how you learn. And, uh, and what we really found and what I believe fully is whatever you need to learn, whatever you need to do, it is learnable. I mean, your brain can rewire. You are so able to do things that you can't even comprehend right now. And that is not meant as hype. That is science, all right? Your brain can rewire. It just needs the new demands and practice and your brain can do it. So that's awesome. I... Dave Jennings, the pit of success. Thank you so much for being with us. And everyone who's uh, listening, thank you so much for being with us. And just remember, you know, when, when you start um, allowing yourself to break it, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use that term and start looking. I, I love this idea. Just continue to look um, for those patterns um, to see where you need to go because those patterns will emerge when you start looking for them. Uh, when you do that, you're always going to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. See you next time. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.